Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back in on The Score. You know, sometimes these games with the Cubs and the White Sox have been on a Monday or a Tuesday or, you know, a lot of weekdays. When they're up at Wrigley, they've been Tuesday and Wednesday as it was this year, and those games sold out. The White Sox asked, and now a lot of teams around baseball are also asking for these crosstown games to do them on Saturday and Sunday. And here we are for a Saturday and Sunday. Both teams had the rare Friday off day. I don't even remember a Friday off day. But it's it's a very good move by the White Sox. I think a lot of teams are going to copy them, and I know a bunch are already around baseball. You know, I don't know. They can make their suggestions. The schedule's made a year in advance. So... uh, uh, and the two-game series are very difficult to uh, to pace. That's why you have a Friday off. I think they made the request, though. I, I, I yeah, do but, believe they made the request. Right. And whether it was honored or not is up to MLB. Right. The, two ga- the two-game series is a tough one because, yeah. uh, you know, you, you're, you're leading up to the All-Star. I think it's perfect time for Sox and Cubs. Sure leading is. Leading up to the All-Star break and uh, the, the Friday off, you know, per- worked perfect with the uh, holiday weekend. But nonetheless... My question to you, Matt, and people out here and people out there in Chicago baseball land is, with the White Sox and the arrow pointed up, the Cubs still in, uh, in sight of first place, a half game out, and having gone to the playoffs four years in a row, is there still the Cubs-Sox thinking about, uh, I want the Cubs to lose, I want the Sox to lose, or is it more about... I'm good where my team is at right now. Well, it's interesting because um, both fan bases have every reason to be paying attention to themselves. And they're both at very interesting points. The Cubs in first place, but not playing well. It's stressful. After you win a World Series and the expectation is you win again, it can be very awkward to be as as good as they've been. I think I, I said last year, boy, sustained success never felt so empty after they won 95 games and, and, and the year ended the way it did. Um, so anyway, you, you don't need to look southward if you're a Cub fan. You don't need to necessarily. And for the south side, it's a really good moment in the rebuild. They've, they've definitively turned the corner in this massive rebuild, and you've got 12, you, 13 You say definitively. Uh, to me, you have. Uh, do you, can you say that without knowing their, their rotation at this point in time? Uh, you know, the rotation is a huge factor, but I say that because I look at a 25-person roster and I see at a minimum 11 guys who I think are interesting, intriguing pieces that should be a part of your contending 11. window. Yeah, I got 11. Okay. And we can run down the roster if you want. I, I, I that, that'd be fine. We got all the time in the world. I, I, I would be happy to do so. But, the, uh, but my, my point is, like, to, to answer your question, White Sox fans don't necessarily need to look up north and say, boy, the Cubs are struggling. It feels, uh, it feels good. But I think a lot of people do. I, I mean, the, the ones that I interact with anyway, 
a ton of them absolutely notice, take stock, take pleasure in the failure of the opposition. I, I think that's where it's at. Uh, absolutely. Especially, you know what, Sox fans right now, man, when Eloy Jimenez homers at Wrigley to win a game, when Dylan Cease pitches at the same time Theo Epstein does an interview on the score that makes a bunch of news about how irritated he you, is. Do you think Sox fans care when Quintana, <laughs> Quintana wins or loses? Uh, you know, I don't know if you root against a guy once he goes up there and it wasn't by his choice. It's not like when Wade Boggs went from Red Sox to Yankees or Johnny Damon. And right. So, and stuff like and, that. And that's a good distinction to know that uh, wasn't he didn't sign as a free agent. He right. was traded. Right. So I, I don't think they root against Q, but I think, I, I, I don't know, we could ask you, but I think some Sox fans enjoy the fact that Q is not doing well there. Uh, you know, I, I think they enjoy that. They enjoy it because Theo seems to have lost that one, now, and they like that. Really? You think that, so Quintana, you think Quintana's a bust? I don't think, I didn't say that at all. Okay. I said at this point where we stand... I think a lot of people think Theo has lost that one, and I, I, I understand why they would say that. I understand why they would say that, because I think Theo thought he was trading for a, a third starter, maybe a, a two starter, and Quintana's been, what, Boy, a four? I, two. Yeah, I don't... I've, I've At never, least a high three. I've, well, he was a two on the White Sox on a, on a poor staff. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I, I never looked at him anything but a three-plus or maybe a four. And, well, and because, uh, you know, 200 innings, you know... Uh, on a, on a team that uh, was averaged below average, uh, 350 ERA, you know, a lot of no decisions. Might have had people thinking that he would have won more games with a better offense. But I think he, he's always been who he is. He's a little bit plus 500 pitcher. He's going to be a 350 to 375 ERA. And for me, that's a, it's not a one, two, or three. That's, that's more of a four. Well, then, and, then, and a very solid four. Then can't we stand here, uh, or sit here as we are a couple years later, and say just in terms of assets and mm -hmm. the quality of the assets, the value of the assets of Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease, considering what they didn't get for him, considering what they might have been able to get if they had those guys still now, um, that, that, that trade right now where we stand is a loss. For Thea. I don't. I don't think so. I don't look at it that way because without Quintana, they don't go to the playoffs the last two years. Well, who who in that uh, who in that organization would have filled in for those innings, those starts, those wins uh, for Quintana and got them in seventeen and eighteen to the playoffs? Somebody else that they traded else. for with less, you know, or somebody or Verlander if they had held on to to Cease and uh, and Jimenez and used that capital to try and get yeah, Verlander I mean, later in the year. I mean, there was, no, there was never a match there, but in, in reality the idea that Quintana has not helped them go to the playoffs two years in a row is, in a row is not there. I, but, mean, it, I mean, he was an important part of their pitching staff since uh, 2017 when he came over, won seven ball games, mm -hmm. struck out 12 batters in his first uh, game against Baltimore well, and was just and just been a pretty steady pitcher. This year, there's been some bumps in the road. Uh, on this last road trip, there's only one pitcher that won any games, uh, starting pitching-wise, for the Cubs. That was yeah. Jose Quintana. Well, you know, I, I think that the fact that his contract was so good meant that they were going to be able to That's afford right. a free agent. And then the fact that they chose Darvish and it has worked out the way it has has also made that look worse because they traded for a pitcher and a half 
with when they got Quintana's contract. Then the guy that they chose, the half of right. Darvish, has been uh, bad. I think you make a great point about his contract. It was so favorable, and they had three, uh, four years, of, almost four years of control because they had 17, 18, 19, and also 20, okay? And you're not paying more than $10, $11 million a year for what, as they thought, maybe you think, a lot of people think is a three-pitcher. I never never looked at him as, as a number three. But nonetheless, he's been a very valuable pitcher to the Chicago Cubs. Well, if they looked at him as a four or a five, I don't think you'd give up Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease for a four and a five. I think they thought he would, like John Lester, have his stuff translate very well to the National League, and Lester was the statistical there's, comp. There's a distinction. A four and a five on the Cubs is the equivalent at that time to a two or three. When you have On Lester, the White Sox staff. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. On the Cubs staff. I know. They're equivalent to a two or three on the White Sox staff. No. Uh, what I'm saying is when you bring in Quintana on a team that already has Lester, that has uh, Lackey in his last year, mm-hmm. that has... Uh, Hendricks already, okay? You already have ones and twos, okay? So this is a left-handed pitcher and a solid one that they were looking for for the future. So if it's a solid four on the Cubs, that's like a two or a three somewhere else. Okay, well, uh, it, it's it's clear we disagree on, on where that trade value stands as of right now or, or who you'd say is a winner or loser. E- either way, t- in my opinion, if they win a World Series with Quintana as a part of it, then that will that will make it yeah, completely I, worthwhile. And again, we disagree because I don't believe I think getting to the playoffs is the only way you get to a World Series. So if you don't have the pieces, actually, I do agree with you on that. Well, but if you don't have <laughs> if you don't have the pieces to get there, yeah. you ain't going. Okay. <laughs> I learned I ain't at a Southside school. Well, so it, it, that's me, an important word. Let me go back to something because you, you mentioned that there was never a fit with Verlander, and where I'm coming from is if they. If if for, if they if the Quintana trade had not happened, and they get to uh, you know to August, and Verlander, who very much wanted to be a Cub, was there, don't you think that with Jimenez and Cease, they had then the capital to make that trade if they wanted? I, I to? don't. I don't think that that the, the, I mean, I think Cease would have been a part of it. I don't think that they needed Jimenez with all the players that they had in their system. I think, but didn't, they were trying to get Verlander, and I don't think they had enough. I agree with that. Yeah, so uh, I don't they think they had enough. enough. But, I, I, but I'm, what I'm saying is, is that uh, they, didn't, they didn't feel at that point that they had the match, but also uh, the fact is that Verlander was going to be somebody that they weren't sure was going to hold up for the next couple of years. If you remember correctly... Uh, he did show some signs of weakness. Absolutely. And then all of a sudden he goes to Houston. Yes. And he continues to get – he arguably lost a game for uh, the rest of that year and into the next season for probably about a month and a half. He takes, he takes their, uh, their plan, their metrics, their spin rate, and he becomes an even better pitcher than he was. Unbelievable. I, I, look, th- that we could go down that rabbit hole of what the hell are the Astros doing to make everybody better when they get there. Garrett Cole had a down year in Pittsburgh and then goes there and is now better than he ever was. Charlie Morton revitalized his career there. They got, they got, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what they do. Um, but it, to me, just like, just like the Darvish signing is connected to having the asset of Quintana, to me, the lack of being able to get Verlander is connected to having already made the Quintana trade that year. Right. 
So, you know, again, when you, when you look at this trade, I mean, I don't think any White Sox fans are unhappy with the Quintana trade right now. When it happened, they didn't have any idea about what was going on, what they were getting. They knew Eloy was a, uh, a guy, a top prospect that had some power. They knew nothing about Cease other than what you read, which was an injured pitcher who uh, there were high hopes for. Now you fast forward. Uh, it was 2017. You're two years later. Again, the Cubs go to the playoffs a couple of years with Quintana. The White Sox are getting exactly what they want. And Eloy, who looks like he's going to be a monster 35 to 45 home run hitter. I think so, right? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's much question about that. The, and the easy power. I'd, I'd, I'd love to ask, ask you, for all the baseball you've seen, if there's anybody that comes to mind, because somebody that big who swings that smoothly, and, it, and it's not like it's, it's not a violent swing, but the ball just flies off his bat. I find myself thinking about Daryl Strawberry, and that's a different side of the plate and a yeah. different, different body structure, but yeah, Daryl was tall. I, I, but you know what I mean? Just like an easy power swing like that. It's quite something. I, 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 lo- I love your, your take on it because it, it is exactly that. You just cannot see the leverage coming out of his swing. Hmm. You, so it's just... It's such short, quick, com, uh, compact swing for a big guy that you don't expect. Yeah, that's and what it is. And the ball just explodes. That's what it is. It's, right. a, it's, a, right. it's a short little swing instead of what you're – and so Strawberry is a bad comp because that was a big looping swing. But, but, but in reality, the leverage is huge, you know. Uh-huh. It's the lower half. It's the wrist. It's the forearms. And the ball just disappears. You know, it's, it's, a, it's maybe a Dick Allen type swing, <laughs> you know. See, I, uh, I, now it's, I got to go old, back and look. It's old school, you know. But Dick Allen was a line drive hitter that used a forty ounce bat <laughs> that hit that hit balls four forty on the line. Okay, Ow. With, Ow. without an explosive ball at that time. With but, a, without a ball that they had uh, gotten better at centering but, the pill, but, Rob Manfred. But Eli, you just have to watch so closely to see where the power is generated from. Hmm. And it and it is so much fun to watch. It really is. It it it, it really is. And uh, his personality is such. You know, it, it's it, the personality is he's so fun loving. He's so um, excited to be here and so happy that like. And then you see Cease, and then you're watching a guy who tops out at ninety nine point six in his first outing. Um, I haven't had a chance to talk with you since Cease Day. I was thoroughly impressed with how he got into trouble in the first through 33 pitches, was wild and all over the place, right. and reeled it in. He reeled it in and got under control. Well, uh, I'm, uh, if you don't think I'm impressed, I, that's wrong, because uh, I am. Because they changed, uh, McCann and him changed from the first inning to the second inning of what they were doing. Fastball command wasn't there for Cease. So he's throwing 98, 99, and he's out of the zone. He's not being able to command. Mm-hmm. They go to the breaking ball. They go to the 80-mile-an-hour curve ball, which is perplexing for hitters. They start with the breaking pitch. Then they go back to the fastball. Then he gets four innings of shutout baseball except for the home run, which was a first-row job. And you saw four outstanding pitches from Dylan Cease. If that's not impressive to you, you're not paying attention. I mean, it's just, I mean, it is only five innings, but, you know, and it is 103 pitches, which is a lot. But uh, stuff-wise, there is very few pitchers out there right now coming up from the minor leagues that have 
the type of ability that Dylan sees has. And the composure. We'd heard about the composure and the poise and the maturity, and I, I felt like we saw it. Um, in response to your, your original question about how Sox fans, it, like whether you're paying attention and rooting against or for Jose Quintana, here's a text. I'm a Sox fan. I root for Q every time he pitches. I'm really hoping for a Sox-Cubs World Series. I take no pleasure in the Cubs losing. I love when baseball is good on both sides of town. It's better for the city. So that's, that's that guy. But I'm sure there's a lot of, uh, lot of folks on the, uh, on the other direction. Hello, gentlemen. To say I care either way the next couple of games turn out is a bit extreme for me. Care invokes emotion, that of which I removed from sports a long time ago. Yeah. Wow, sir, you seem to have a far too healthy grip on reality. Well, I'm glad he's listening to our show. <laughs> I can say that much. Hey, you know, again, when it comes to the old world Sox fan and old world Cub fan, I still insist this to this day. The, the old world Sox fan has always hated the Chicago Cubs and everything about them, and especially their fan base. The old world Cub fan never cared, in my opinion, until 2005 when finally the White Sox got something to lord over that them. the Cubs didn't have. And then, Cub fans, it became personal. So I think I think that distinguishes kind of the hate-hate north side, south side. Uh, I don't see it in the modern fan as much as I did in the old world fan of hate the other side of town. I think it's, it's interesting. I, I think the... Uh you know, the classic Chicago second city reputation of the chip on the shoulder. And, okay, so we're not New York or we're not L.A., but whatever, you know. That, that feels like that's been a part of White Sox fan DNA to me for a long, long time. Just the, the disrespected little brother yeah. thing. I mean, the White Sox had by far the better teams and were the number one team in town from 1951 till about 1965. 66. They were the best team. They were, if there was a wild card, they would have been in the playoffs probably seven or eight times during that period of time, maybe more. Uh, th- then everything mm-hmm. turned when the White Sox went off with WGN. The Cubs got good in 67 through 72. So things kind of turned around. But from the perspective of White Sox fans feeling like uh, they were being the disrespected, pissed, yeah, uh, th- th- there was no question. About you, it. you know, and, and it's amazing. How far that stuff can go back. I don't know if I told you this, Bruce, but I was at the Chicago Athletic Association, which has since been remodeled. It's beautiful in there these days. And there's a display where they show the, the founders, uh, Spalding. Some guy named Spalding was, a, was one of the founding members. Another guy named Wrigley was yeah, one yeah. of the founding members. Um, and Charles Comiskey desperately wanted to be a member of the Chicago Athletic Association. And he was on the waiting list for a lot of years. And when he finally came up as a potential nominee to be in the Chicago Athletic Association, it was 1919, and the Black Sox scandal had just happened, and they turned him down. Timing is everything, isn't it? They turned him down. And so Wrigley founds the thing. That's where the Cubs logo comes from, as he stole it from his own thing, the CAA. And Charlie Comiskey got turned down. Yeah, that would have been a club I wouldn't want to be a part of. How about you? <laughs> okay, Groucho. He's uh, Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It's Inside the Clubhouse on 670. The score, lots of good stuff to come. A.J. Pruszynski, Ron Coomer. Brooks Boyer is going to come by and talk about these White Sox and what's going on here this weekend. And uh, as soon as Joe Madden talks, we'll let you know what he talks about with an interesting moment in his Cubs career, that's for sure. Keep it right here on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? 
family? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It is 670 to score. Wow, it's filling up here, isn't it? It sure is. We're at the Shy Sox Bar and Grill. Count the Cup fans. One, two, three, four, four five, six. Five. Seven. This is good radio. All right. And then (laughs) the rest, awesome White Sox fans here. Uh, Man, this is, it's going to be so much fun. And the buzz is going to be palpable in that ballpark tonight. And there's been a, there's been a lot of nights and days like that for in this White Sox season as compared to the last two. Are you kidding me? I was there the Friday night when Giolito went against the Yankees. That was electric. The um, the I think that was the night Jimenez hit the two three run homers, if memory serves. Um, it, there's there's been a lot of uh, you know Dylan Cease day was was happening. I was here that day um, covering pregame as as you were, and just outside the ballpark three hours before the ballpark, people milling around looking for tickets, talking about well, stuff. Look, I mean, buying into a rebuild is not the easiest thing to do. Ask Cub fans. The first three years of that was miserable. You know, you're averaging 97 losses a year. You don't see the forest through the trees. You're hoping for better. You believe in Epstein and Hoyer, but they haven't done it yet. Then all of a sudden, year four comes around, and boom, here's what you got. You got great young players. You have an addition put on by $333 million spent on four players to make you into a World Series contender, and you get a World Series. I mean... Four years in the playoffs. Now, the White Sox fans are starting to see, and I think, Matt, this is really important, guys that are talked about as part of the rebuild. Yes. Impacting games. Okay. Yes. Not peripheral guys. Not guys that are I agree. yesterday's news, but guys that are importantly moving forward. Eloy, Mancata, Anderson having outstanding years, doing important things. You see Giolito. You're hoping Lopez will come back. You're seeing bullpen guys like Bummer coming along. I'm talking to scouts saying, yeah, we like Colome, but everybody in baseball likes Aaron Bummer, mm-hmm. and we're all trying to trade for him. So, look, we'll do it later. We'll do it later when we have a moment because we've got a couple phone calls here, and Brooks Boyer's going to hop on. But I'm going to go down that roster, Bruce, and I'm going to give you 13. 13 players on you this roster. You just added two because you saw Brooks. <laughs> No, because I, I rethought one as I looked at a specific stat uh, with Shane during the break. I'm looking at pitchers per, pitches per plate appearance, and Lurie Garcia's are very, very low. But dude is hitting 301. He's on the pace to score 100 runs. He'll be the first White Sox player since Carlos Lee. He can play everywhere. I'm not saying he's your starting center fielder on a real good team, but it's, that could very much be a rostered player on a real good team. I know you're going to be sad when he's traded next year. It could be. Um, let's go to the phone lines. Daniel is in Highland Park and is now on 670 to score. Daniel, good afternoon. You're on Inside the Clubhouse. Thanks for having me on. I was listening to the divide of the Sox versus the Cub fans. I'm an old Cub fan from when it's Hank Sauer days, but changed early to the Sox for various reasons. So I'm a Sox fan. But I've noticed that 
I think it's because of Bridgeport, where Comiskey Park is, was, and it's working class versus the North Shore, North Shore and the North Side, which is allegedly uh, a higher class. And then all of that, making the Cubs, WGN, making the Cubs nationally uh, a fuzzy place. Love Everyone loves it. So that's, that's how I think Sox fans look at it from that angle. Appreciate your call. Yeah, you know, going off of WGN was a, a critically bad move for the Chicago White Sox because when they went, they went to a UHF station, and uh, the reception at that time wasn't good. So terrible TV choice terrible TV, affecting the ball club. Uh, impacted the White Sox, the view. So sounds like the Blackhawks for a so, long time. So what? Once, once the White Sox got their act together, uh, they went back on WGN uh, part-time, you know, with this uh, combination of uh, the White Sox, Bulls, Hawks, and, uh, and uh, Cubs. You had, you know, you had more synergy going the White Sox way, and, and, and that's been evened out. But from the perspective of uh, losing fan base, I think that's when it occurred. I think... The WGN thing was the, the biggest reason why that occurred. Yeah, it's an enormous moment. Uh, and then Harry Carey's ascension with WGN and Budweiser and the Superstation is an enormous moment um, for, the, for the fates of these two teams. Right. But, it, you know, it's, it's really, two fan bases, even, it's really evened out. Uh, I mean, okay, the White Sox are never going to be a $3.3 million, fran- million fan, fan franchise, but... They are a solid 2.5 million franchise as far as attendance goes when things are going right. And and they will build back up to that, and you will see that happen here Mm. over the next three, four, and five years if they continue to show that they're going to be a playoff caliber team. A couple of texts at 670-11. Here's one. As a young kid, I enjoyed both teams, but growing up with annoying, obnoxious, delusional Cub fans, trolling Cub fans, it was quite easy to hate them. And the fact that they're the media darlings made it even worse. That's Jimmy B. That's how it grew for him. Here's one I like this because I, I know some Cub fans like this. I got a Cub fan at work that talks about White Sox attendance numbers every day. This idea that Cub fans don't care about the Sox is BS. So that's a guy who walks in every day to a Cub fan saying, hey, a nice win. How many people were at your ballpark? Mean-spirited on both sides every once in a while. You know, it, it's, it's such a layup and it's such easy cop-out radio for me to bring Sox Cubs up during a Cubs and Sox series. Well, it, it's, But it is timely, and that's why we do it, because that's who's here today, Cubs and Sox fans, and we're going to continue to do it, but it is a layup. I mean, it's lazy radio on my part, honestly. Well, I'd expect nothing less. Thank the bo- you. Bottom of the hour. That's what you're getting. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by Northwestern Football. Uh, don't miss your chance to watch Big Ten football at Ryan Field this fall as the number 17 Northwestern Wildcats host Ohio State, Iowa, and more. Season tickets on sale now at nusports.com. Let's take another phone call. John is in Evergreen Park and has a question and comment about these particular White Sox right now. What's up, John? Hey, good afternoon, guys. I enjoy the show. Um, just calling. I'm wondering at the deadline if the Sox, I mean, I'm hoping they don't trade a Bray or uh, uh, move a Brayu or Lurie Garcia, but I. I was kind of impressed with John Jay. I wasn't. A lot of people were saying he's mediocre. He's actually hitting like what two ninety. I just want to see if they're going to hold on to those guys or move them at the deadline. And I want to ask Matt if he ever did a uh, new order uh, cover show. Thank you. 
<laughs> Thank you, John. No, we, Tributosaurus has never become New Order, but New Order slash Joy Division to do the combo platter one night would be great fun. So thank you for that. All right, Bruce, his questions are about Abreu and Lurie Garcia I, I and John think, Jay. I don't think Abreu is being traded, but uh, you're, you're, the, the one guy that has the most interest right now out there is Colomay. And there's a lot of teams, Atlanta and Philadelphia, uh, from what I see, have the most interest in uh, Colomay. They've had numerous scouts here uh, on different occasions over the last uh, three or four weeks watching the White Sox. So uh, he uh, he's a man of interest. As I told you, all the teams are asking for Aaron Bummer. He's not going anywhere. Hmm. He's their closer of the future. If Colomay goes, I think he moves right up to being the, uh, the White Sox closer. He's been that good. He's been that dynamic. He's grown by leaps and bounds uh, as far as belief in himself and the team believing in him. You know, I as I've been looking around the league, looking for guys that the Cubs might target in trade, guys who would change their lineup a little bit, give them a different type of hitter, give them a, guys who would take different kinds of at-bats. That's why we hear the names Whit Merrifield a lot. Um, Howie Kendrick is an interesting rental possibility from Washington, maybe. A little long a tooth. How, uh, may, maybe the, the, the scars or the, the feelings are a little too raw, but any interest for the Cubs in reacquiring John Jay? I don't think so. I mean, yeah, they'd like to have him, but I... Right? I mean, he's, he's a, he, I think they liked him a lot. Yeah. I, mean, I think the players liked him, too. He's an energizer. He's a tremendous clubhouse guy. Yeah. I think the White Sox are happy to retain him. I don't think you're going to get quite the uh, the amount back that, that would be worth to even trade him. Yeah, I, and, and that's the thing. That's what I'm thinking from the Cubs perspective. He wouldn't have to give up a lot. Uh, I think he's worth more to the White Sox by holding on to him, to be honest with uh -huh. you. What he brings to the clubhouse and kind of the ways that they continue to help win in the uh, second half and also what he imparts to the rest of the team. He was a very important part of the Chicago Cubs he became a leader in a half a season there, yeah. which was pretty amazing. And people, every team that he goes to, uh, teammates uh, talk about him and the type of individual and player that he was. He, he makes his imprint. That's why the White Sox did their homework by bringing him in. Not necessarily for everything on the field, but combined with the other. Yeah, but, uh, the experience of watching John Jay for Cubs fans, I think a lot of Sox fans are starting to have that, where they're like, wow, you know what? This dude, this dude, just look at those at-bats. Look at the, how solid he is wherever they put him, his willingness. And then, yes, you'll hear some teammates talk about him in ways that kind of surprise you. Right. So, uh, you know, Calame is the guy that, that's going to get traded. Uh, I, I don't see the White Sox holding on to Calame because he has so much value out there and because of the fact that uh, the White Sox, as much as you'd like to think that they're going to go on a nice run and be a playoff team this year, they're, they're still a little bit shy of that level. I don't think that this is the, the year that they, they want to win, but uh, let me take that back. They want to win every year, but this is not the time for them to trade for other veterans unless they're under long-term contract control. Have I missed official news? A texter texted about it, uh, about Luis Robert. I know that in the Sun-Times today, Daryl Van Schauen wrote about it, and, and Luis Robert hinted that his promotion to AAA Charlotte is fairly imminent. I, I, I don't think I've seen anything official, but that would make sense if that comes soon, well, wouldn't he's, it? Well, he's dominated at two levels already this year. and That's uh, the dude. And, and he's going to be uh, in the starting lineup sometime in April next year. When I say sometime in April, if he's not promoted this year, which is 
Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, Bruce. Officially, uh, he's been brought up to AAA. Rick spoke today and, and announced it. Thank you very much. So, so that's three levels for uh, for Robert. And the fact that... Why stop there? There's a lot of season left. They might not. I mean, look, they have him under control for a long time. Yes. You know, he's not your typical minor leaguer. He was signed as a free agent. So service time issues are so not... So if you want to move him up uh, and he dominates at AAA, you can do it. I, 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 I wrote and said at the beginning of the year that I, I had hoped and I thought there was an outside shot that he could be here in September. I mean, that dude, I am more excited about him than I am Juan Moncada, than I am Eloy Jimenez, um, than I am the evolution of Tim Anderson, I, than I am Dylan Cease. I, I am more excited about Luis Robert than any, and Dylan Cease is a pitcher, but than any of the, the uh, position players for the White Sox. Matt, let's take a break, and then Brooks Boyer is going to join us, top of the hour guy that Sox fans liked a little bit. A.J. Pruszynski will be uh, joining us. Also hear from Ron Coomer of the Cubs and reports from David Schuster as well on both the White Sox and Cubs. Outstanding. It is 670 the score. He's Bruce. I'm Matt. It's inside the clubhouse. Brooks After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Here's next. It is a uh... I, I would hope that it is great fun for our next guest to feel the buzz that uh, you and I have felt here all day, Bruce Levine, as we are inside the clubhouse of 670 The Score, live at the Shy Sox Bar and Grill. It is near impossible to find tickets for this thing tonight if, uh, if you don't have them yet. It's, it's a crazy, crazy moment for Cubs Sox. And it is Brooks Boyer joining us, the uh, Vice President of Marketing for your Chicago White Sox, and right before we came on, I said, hey, Brooks, what do you want to talk about? He said, I want to talk about the players. <laughs> Isn't that something? You know, a marketing guy that has really great players coming up now to, to actually talk about. I, it, it is a lot of fun. When you see the guys that are contributing to our success are guys that people have heard about, this is a lot of fun. And, and, and no doubt our fans have been very patient as we've gone through our process and now being at a pivot point. You know, that that people can get to see what's what's coming, and then still understanding that there's a couple waves of players that are out there that are ultimately going to lead us to our ultimate goal of of, of playing into late October. Yeah, I, I believe that you have definitively turned a corner here in the rebuild, and maybe it happened before this, but I think right now as we stand, I could go down that roster and look at 11, 12, 13 guys who I think are intriguing. And Name them. I was just saying. Want me to do it? I, I walked here in here the first time as 12, and then I heard 13. All right. So uh, I'm defining this as intriguing, interesting players who uh, could be part of your contending okay. window. Projectable. Okay. Projectable. Um, Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease, and I'm not giving up on Renato Lopez as a fifth starter even. Okay? You give me those? You got three. Aaron Bummer. Four. Um, the, uh, the Evan Evan Marshall, I think that's a yes. Alex Colome, if he stays here, to me is a yes. Right, so that's six. 
I would say... Now it's five, and I don't agree with the last two, but keep going. You, you don't agree with the oh, last okay. two? Oh, you're crazy. Um, and, I, 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 how about Jace Fry? It was great last year. Not so much this year, but a big-time arm. You're going to give me half of Jace Fry and half of Evan Marshall? Keep going. All right, I think I'm at least six. And then, Yuan Moncada, Tim Anderson, Eloy Jimenez... Zach Collins is here, and even if we don't get to see him a lot, he's here. That's four, so I'm at 10. Jose Abreu is an easy 11 to me. Um, uh, where else? Uh, I, th- I think I had more than that, but that's a, that's eleven. Well, you left yeah. out Carlos Rodon and Michael Kopech. Uh, well, yeah, I, I'm not even including no, no. Carlos Talk Rodon and Michael Kopech. Right here. Well, well you count right eleven, here. I count seven, but you know that's because I went to Chicago Public Schools. <laughs> you know, so we count we count different. I you know I use. One digit at a time count. But the point is this. There's a lot. The point is this. The arrow's pointed up. And, and as I said to Matt earlier, Brooks, guys who are counted on as players of the future here are impacting games. That's the fun part. That's the thing that I think fans can cling to. Well, when, when you look from my perspective of people who are likable, players that are likable that you want to root for, those guys are doing, like you said, they're doing it on the field. They're contributing on a nightly basis. And hopefully we'll see over the next two nights those guys really taking even, an even bigger step forward as, as the, the eyes of Chicago are on these two games. Right. I mean, as a reporter, you know, Matt and I, you know, we cover a lot of games. We talk about the Sox. James McCann I didn't mention. That's 12. Okay. That's Go ahead. One more year of control. Uh-huh. Uh, but as far as, far as the, the guys that you have – right now, you know, looking forward, these guys are not just average talent guys. These guys can be superstars. And that's, as a reporter and somebody that's covered the White Sox and the Cubs for so many decades, that's exciting to me. I come to the ballpark every day excited that I'm lucky enough to have this job. But number two, to see good young talent impacting games. Well, it's, an, it's engagement. How are our players going to ultimately engage with our fans? These are fun players. They're fun players to watch. You guys see it on a daily basis when, when Eloy is signing for fans down the line or you know, picking on Chuck Garfine, whatever it might be. We've got guys. That's easy. I know, and I, I do it all the time. <laughs> it's a layup. Uh, you know, but so, so these guys, these guys are, are fun players. You know, it's, as, as these guys are coming up, obviously active in social media, so people can get a much better chance to get to know these players not as people, yeah. not, not just as, as ball players, and, and, and they, they love it. They crave it. Matt and, and Brooks, nothing was more compelling to me than the way Tim Anderson came out firing this year. Awesome. I mean, a, as an individual saying, White Sox baseball is in your face. I'm in your face. How about in the offseason? I, I, Screw I Manny Machado. We don't need that guy. I don't like the other team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I play a particular type of baseball that's all about me and the team and the Chicago White Sox fans. To me, uh, that that's quite a statement. Well, he's face of the franchise type player, and he's face of the franchise type community person as well. Because what he does on the field is he doubles down off the field. He he does what he says he's going to do, and you know, if 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 you're in his way. They'll knock you over. I mean, it's, it, it is a little bit of football mentality, south side strong, Chicago tough mentality, and, and he's going to walk the walk 
that, that he talk, when he talks to talk. I promise I'll get off of this, but Lurie Garcia could be number 12, <laughs> and to me, Jace Fry is number 13. I, That's how I get I'm to 13. I'm still stuck at 7. Okay, well, I'm at 13. Okay. Uh, Brooks Boyer is the director of marketing for the Chicago White Sox, and we're here on a Saturday for the first of two games. How did this come about that you got to host the Cubs for a Saturday and a Sunday and have the weirdness of a Friday off day? Well, in, interestingly enough, when, when the Major League Baseball schedule came out for this season, uh, this these are two home games were scheduled on. I think it was either a Monday or Tuesday or a, a Wednesday, Thursday in May, and we asked the question because so much of the excitement around the city revolves around this rivalry, around this series, and one of the things that we would have to forgo would be a Friday night game in order to have a Saturday Sunday, and we felt it would be best for our fans to be able to in, enjoy the rivalry, enjoy the tailgates, enjoy the camaraderie on a weekend. They made you give up a Friday home game in order to get these. Well, when you think about it, you'd have to because everybody else is with with, with a balanced schedule. Everybody else is playing a three-game series Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sure. So this this, this was the only way that it could work. Uh, So thinking about what would be in the best interest of our fans – we decided to, to forego a Friday night game. And is it true that other teams around baseball are now requesting this because they like what, what, is, what is happening here? I've I, heard that. I, I, I have not heard that, but um, the, it works for us, and, yeah. and, and it yeah, works I mean, for our it, fans. It works in New York. It works in Los Angeles. It works in Oakland and San Francisco. Maybe not you know, St. Louis and Kansas City. Probably not, not yeah. anywhere else. Right. Yeah, but those are... Those are those are exact things that kind you're those, alluding those to. Those natural I mean, rivalries, yeah, absolutely. Brooks, uh, you guys have made a national impact as far as your giveaways go over the last two or three years. Maybe for a long time, partially because you had to, you know, and partially because you're really good at what you do. But the point is, is that um, you have had to stand on your head over the last three, four years to get people to come out to the ballpark. And I think you've given them good reasons to before this, you know, wave of young players came about because, you know, there's so many nights that you're able to give people quality giveaways. And, and that's incentive in itself. Well, you know, look, it, we want people to feel like they get great value when they come to a White Sox game. So whether it's a, a giveaway, a fireworks night, a family Sunday, dollar hot dogs, what, whatever it may be, free T-shirt Thursdays. We want people to feel value when they when they come to the to the ballpark, and 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 we can't control what happens when grown men have a round baseball and a round bat and play in between the lines. Uh, so we try to do whatever we can to control the environment and the experience around that. That includes their food and beverage. It includes the the, the parking. It's really we try to think about the driveway to driveway experience, and and we try to make it as good as we possibly can for our fans who have been, like I said, have been patient with us. The Disney training as well, Matt, is something that... Customers always right. I I mean, they, you know, Julie Taylor and her people and all the wonderful people, uh, you know, the, the Cubs do a great job as well as far as that. But, you know, going back to the Disney way of doing things, did you guys actually at one point... Uh, encourage people to go to Disney or send people to Disney for that type of training. Yeah, there is there is Disney training, and and yeah, some of our people have gone through Disney University. Julie Taylor, one of them. And, and look, it, always you want to just have people have a good experience. We're not going to bat a thousand. You know, we're we're going to screw some things up for for some people. We want to try to make those right, and we want to try to make those as good as we possibly can. Uh, you know, sometimes we can't. Sometimes we can't fix 
some of the issues that, that people have. But uh, our fans get it, and that's why we have guest relations booths on and on every level, just like the United Center does, and they probably do it at Wrigley because people are committing themselves, their time and their money to baseball. We want to make it as pleasant of, uh, of an experience as You'd possible. You'd like them to come back a few times. Correct. All due respect to the Disney training, I think the mouse ears are a little much. You might want to tone those down. Yours look good. <laughs> Mine uh, look good. Yeah. yeah, Brooks Boyer's here with us on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. I have a suggestion that I've been waiting to give you in person, okay? This, ought to be this good. is going to come yeah. in. No, no charge That's other right. than your time. I um, absolutely love the flavor and feel of the World Baseball Classic. The passion of those fan bases on display every time it happens, it blows me away. And I'm a baseball fan forever, ardent observer of, of things. You have a tremendous Latin flavor to your young players especially. You now have potential face of the franchise, Tim Anderson, who is at the forefront of Let the Kids Play as a movement and a concept. How about a, a World Baseball Classic night or something like that where you, you dip into... The, the, pa the passions of those Latin communities, whether it's the Vuvuzelas or whatever it is that makes those ball games so special. I, I was talking to Chuck Garfine and Ryan McGuffey. They were in the Dominican on the, mm -hmm. the, the cultural exchange trip that the White Sox did, and they went to like a, a citywide series game and thought it was an unbelievable atmosphere. So I'm not exactly sure how to replicate it, mm -hmm. but it seems to be a natural for you. What do you think? Yeah, it's, it, it is hard to replicate because when you look at the World Baseball Classic, like you said, some sort of city series that they had. Yeah. Is those games mean something. Those passions. And, and, and so, you know, just like you'll have when, when Dylan Cease pitched the other day. Yeah. You had, you had fans on every pitch. There was, there, there was a uniqueness to it. You'll have that here over the next two nights, or tonight and tomorrow afternoon. You're saying you can't Where manufacture fans, it with Vuvuzelas? It's, it's, it's hard to manufacture <laughs> The, the you know when, when when there's when there's something on the line and yeah. the, the WBC there's something on the line and and you know it happens so infrequently uh, where we've got we've got 81 of these things so to manufacture it becomes a little bit tricky but you know the the, the one that that really comes to mind when we had the blackout game now it's been a while I mean it was 2008 but everything was on the line yeah and it was it was it was, it was a playoff atmosphere because it was a playoff we had to win to get in. And man, did our fans react! And and those are the types of things that we look of. How can we take advantage of those to kick everything up a notch? But no doubt, those those World Baseball Classic games are so fun to watch on TV. And they say it's even more intense yeah. when you're there. And I'm just looking uh, for a way to magnify the, the the passion of and the 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 personality of especially your young Latin stars. They, and, and, I mean, no doubt. When you look at Eloy, yep, you know there there is a guy who has the potential to be a buy superstar. that eighty one game package uh -huh. and you'll make Brooks very happy. <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody. It'd Brooks Boyer, uh, vice president of marketing, thanks for joining us here. And what could be uh, more fun than a full house here, full house across the street the next two nights? Especially if the White Sox pull off a couple wins, then it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, by the way, guys, I'm staying at thirteen. No more players. <laughs> We're still at thirteen. Thanks for joining us, Brooks. Thanks, guys. Go Brooks Sox. Boyer. He's Coming Brooks up, Boyer. And A.J. Pruszynski next uh, to join us at the top of the hour. Ron Coomer of the Cubs joining us. David Schuster, a report on both clubhouses to join us after that. Hey, Shane Reardon, our producer, can you get Michael Barrett for the next segment as well? All right, go ahead and grab him. A.J.'s next on 670 to score.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.